Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you're present with us here today. We thank you for your word and we thank you that you do reveal your glory and that you work miracles in the lives of your people. We pray today that as we hear from you that we would believe in you and cling to you all the days of our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've gone away, come back and uh, everything's put away. I can't believe it actually how, uh, how it is that Christmas seems to arrive and just vanish. It just looks like it's disappeared uh, with such pace and now we're getting ready for Lent and Easter. It seems like a crazy, crazy pace. The thing is though, even though uh, the nativity scenes are gone from over here, you've probably put your Christmas trees away now, that happened really quickly. Uh, As children of God, we really want to remember the big theme of Christmas. We don't want to put that away. We need to keep that out, which is that big theme is the incarnation where the Lord Almighty, God Almighty, takes on human flesh and dwells among us, his people. Because that theme of the incarnate presence of Jesus Christ, it weighs so heavily, so heavily today as we behold the Son of God who turns water into wine. Wine isn't the major focus of the Gospel today. It might seem like it, but it's not the major focus. It is important though because wine is a symbol of joy in the Bible. A symbol of joy, not in the sense that staggering around telling people I've had too much wine and I feel really joyful or happy, that would be bad, but in the sense of uh, a sign of the presence of the Messiah and a time of salvation, the time of salvation, in the sense of the life-transforming grace found in Jesus. So wine is a little bit like uh, when you hear oil in the Bible. You hear of oil used uh, throughout the Old Testament, milk being used. Wine is one of those things as well. Symbol of joy, presence of the Messiah and a presence of the life-transforming grace that's found in Jesus. And it's the presence of the living God which is absolutely essential. This is why Christmas is so essential to the miracle and the wedding at Cana. But it's not, all, it's not only essential there. It's not only essential in the sense of uh, the biblical witness. It's, it's essential in how the Lord works in and through your lives. Here in worship, as you uh, go home and live in your home and as you step out your front door on Monday morning, You are a living temple of the Holy Spirit, a living temple of God and Jesus must be found in his Father's house. We heard that when Mary and Joseph were looking for Jesus at the temple. I must be in my Father's house. So the real and true presence of Jesus Christ is with you. God is with you. And so water turning to wine today is like a It's like a signpost that points us all to faith and trust in the Son of God and this new era, this new time of salvation that he brings with him. And this new era, this new time, this new wine of the kingdom fulfills and supersedes how things used to operate, which is where we encounter those six stone water jars. There's a picture of one um, that I found on the internet. 
And we'll get to these. We'll get to these. We'll get to these water jars. But the picture so far is that the, the wine has run dry at this wedding. The bridegroom is facing absolute humiliation and shame in an ancient culture where that was just simply unacceptable to do that. Mary is pushing Jesus to do something and Jesus lets Mary know that he operates according to the Father's will and not hers and she accepts that and so what does she do? She starts telling the servants what to do and then Jesus acts on his own accord and verse 6 says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom, the one responsible for the wine. He called him aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Simple instructions, fill, draw, take. And in the midst of a conversation, a miracle takes place. So Jesus is present, he speaks, and a a miracle takes place over a conversation at a special occasion with real people in a real setting. What's the big deal about these six stone water jars? Well, they represent the old way, the old way of making purification for sin, the old way of getting right with God. There are six of them. It's one less than seven. And the ladies that you've been in the uh, Revelation study last year will remember six is inadequate. It's not quite seven. It's not quite fulfilment. It's it's less less than perfect. So these stone water jars, they represent the law. They represent... Endless washings, rigid structures and rules, regulations, demands on people if they're to be right before God. They stand for what you must do and what you must not do if you want to be right with God and with each other. And so the picture of Jesus transforming the water in these jars into wonderful wine is a picture of the grace of God who comes to live and minister among his people in order to release them to free them from the demands of the law and to shower them with his grace and love. So this new wine is a picture of the new era of God with us and for us in Jesus Christ. You might even say that this this picture, this picture of the new wine is a pillar of the church. But practically, so sadly, it is often the great tragedy of our church the universal church. Imagine Christians living every day as if Jesus was absent from their lives. Imagine Christians who will get up tomorrow morning with a huge week ahead of them thinking that they face it completely alone. You know, the bridegroom in our story, he ran out of wine. That was his need. But as many people as are here this morning, that's how many needs there are. And there's going to be that many, this many needs before God tomorrow morning when you wake up Monday morning and go out and start your day. Imagine starting it thinking that you face it alone, that getting through the week, getting through the challenges, 
meeting your needs, all hangs on you making the right decisions, all hangs on you following the best strategy, all hangs on you pleasing the right people. How many Christians are still washing their hands in these six stone water jars and missing out on the miraculous wine of the kingdom of God? Imagine Christians like you and me getting up each day, living, talking, worrying and for all intents and purposes expecting no help from God in the big stuff or the small stuff. Expecting no miracles or signs from God. So much so that when the Lord does show up, because he is present, when he does show up, even Christians are surprised by the Lord's intervention and presence and they see God doing something and they, they kind of can't believe their eyes that God might have intervened and done something here because practically they treat Jesus as if he's absent, he's disappeared into heaven somewhere and that he'll come back when they're on their deathbed. We might not confess it on the screens when we confess the creed, which is wonderful. We not, might not pray it in our prayers when we say through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. But practically, we live as if Jesus isn't really present or with us and he's away somewhere in heaven. And this, this is the fallout. This is the fallout that happens when we take our eyes off the living and present Jesus. We, live, we end up living as though God isn't really there for us. We end up not using the, the gifts that Anna talked about because we don't believe Jesus is present ministering among his people. So we just withdraw and we, we go along with our lives as if he wasn't even there for us. And we end up stri- striving to please people, striving to please God and living according to the law and the flesh instead of the new wine of grace and the Spirit of God. There's wonderful hope though, friends. This isn't the reality and this isn't the joy that is your faith in Jesus Christ and this isn't what God calls us to. John says that the water turning to wine was the first of the signs through which Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Believed in him just doesn't cut it because you can think about believing in Jesus as something that you do with your head and with your mind. Oh yeah, I believe. I Intellectually, I believe something in my head. But the, what the, the Greek words actually say is that the disciples believed into Jesus. They believed into Jesus and the best way I can think to actually paraphrase that is that they entrusted all of their lives, all of their needs, all of their worries and burdens and concerns into the strong arms, the strong hands of God. And you see the difference between having some kind of intellectual belief and throwing yourself into God's mercy entrusting your life, your problems, your needs and everything into the strong hands of God who is there and present. You won't do it unless you believe that God is actually really there to help you and present with you. And that's the very purpose of John's Gospel. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, it says, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Only the real and present Lord of the church can meet all of your needs and fill you with his new wine of grace 
which you and I so desperately need. And so one of the wonderful things about the wedding at Cana is that it's full of real people and there's a real and present saviour. Do you know who this guy is? Anyone watch TV? Ever heard of Dynamo? Haven't heard of Dynamo? Yeah, a few of you have. Yeah, yeah, okay. Dynamo, his name's Stephen actually. He's a, he's a magician and uh, uh, he's become a big phenomenon uh, on TV. He's uh, from England. On the internet and on Twitter, this guy has absolutely millions of people following him. If he shows up to an event and the, and the uh, organisers are expecting maybe, you know, 300 people, what happened is 12,000 showed, showed up to see this guy. Celebrities around the world, he's travelling around the world because all the celebrities want him at their party to do tricks for them and to wow the crowd. And uh, interestingly, some of his performances and his illusions have had him walking on water on the uh, River Thames in England. They have had him doing things a little bit like, uh, uh, or so, so you're meant to think, I think, a little bit like turning water into wine, except with Coke and Fanta, soft drink. So he had a bottle of Fanta and he, 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 apparently the illusion was that he turned it into Fanta. The sad part is, okay, he's a magician and, and I've got to say that he doesn't actually profess to be the Messiah but the sad part is that that's what a generation seeking signs is saying. They're actually comparing Dynamo, this guy Stephen, with Jesus Christ. They're saying only Jesus Christ can do this stuff but Dynamo can do it too. He's amazing. They're wondering if he has miraculous powers, God powers. But his, his glory, the glory of Dynamo is fame, is celebrity parties, probably buckets of money and popularity. He's not the Son of God. He's not the Messiah. He's not what people are saying he is. He's not a real and present Messiah and Saviour to the people of God. He doesn't walk with people each day to serve them and to meet their greatest needs. This guy is a magician. Jesus is so much more. Jesus speaks and miracle happens. He doesn't need sleight of hand. He doesn't need to hold anything or, or, or put anything behind his back. You notice Jesus didn't touch those water jars. He just spoke, fill draw and take to the master of the banquet and water turned into wine. Jesus' glory isn't fame and buckets of money but his glory is a cross made of wood. The miracle of water into wine is real. Jesus' power is real. The people his grace impacts like you and me are real. So see the signpost set for the world and for each one of us at Cana today. Let's fix our eyes on it and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Trust in the faithful bridegroom of the church, Jesus Christ. Don't fall back into the old covenant of trying to get right with God on your own steam. It doesn't work. It ends with you unsatisfied. It ends with you empty. It ends with you downcast. Trust in Jesus, the Son of God, the one who gets everything right with God for you. That's the miracle, that's grace, that's the new wine that you don't have to strive and wash and dip your hands in stone jars. Jesus 
walks perfectly in your place, in his vicarious humanity. He walks for all humanity and he does it perfectly. That's new wine of the grace of God. He's the mediator of a new and better covenant. He's the one who faces his hour, which is his cross, willingly for you and for the whole world. He's the one who endured crucifixion for our sins, who was raised for our justification and who lives, who lives and is present and alive to pray and speak and commune with you every single day as you worship, as you go home, as you walk out your front door tomorrow morning, he is there with you and he is there for you. So if you wish that you could have been there to taste the vintage Jesus wine. Remember that you actually live in the vineyard of God with the winemaker 24-7. You live in the vineyard. That's where you dwell. That's where the Son of God dwells with you 24-7 and the Lord holds out this miraculous wine of grace to you every single moment of every day calling you to drink deeply of his wonderful provision and care for you. You get to do that today once more in the miraculous wine of Holy Communion. So finally, if you find yourself unsatisfied in any area of your life, and I mean any area, if you are confronted with any number of needs only the real and present Jesus Christ can truly satisfy you. That's really important. The guy getting married at the Cana wedding, the bridegroom who ran out of wine, he's like every single one of us or we're like him. We undercater, we mess up, we fail, we sin, we let people down. Can't rely and place your faith in a person unless it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the wonderful and faithful bridegroom and every day for him is a special occasion that he comes to you and is present with you. He's the only one that can satisfy your every need, the only one and he's ready to fill the empty voids in your life with the wine of his transforming grace. You simply have to pray, Lord have mercy and there he is, he's there anyway. So may the new wine of the grace of God, Jesus Christ, the person, bless you and fill you today. As you hear his word, as you hear his voice and as you come and commune with him. In his name, Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen.